welcome tonight, and um, it's just an honour to be here. Um, it was fun. It was fun just um, being with you last week and then actually meeting some fresh faces. It's nice when the family extends across multiple uh, communities. I'm grateful that I got to learn in the last 13 years um, some of these concepts by being on the ground with my hands dirty. It's been an honour. I've learned a lot from this church in particular, from Paradox Church, from um, co-labourers. Um, we've taught each other. We've learned together. I definitely wouldn't be where I was today without the church teaching me and raising me and putting up with me at times and especially learning from others on senior leadership. I've also really learned so much from the Lord when we do our own healing journey and our recovery journey and our own trauma work. We learn so much that we, keys that he gives us in the dark and then we get to come out and share those keys with other people, yeah? We sometimes come out of the fire with a pail of water for other people and um, he's so good like that. And then I love that I get to stand on the shoulders of just great, great, great people from Elijah House Ministries and many other um, forms around the world. Other places I've been learning from um, a little bit today is the life model from Dr. James Wilder, who I'm also just on the precipice of learning a whole bunch. So Shepherd's House came out in the 70s, 71. Um, Elijah House was more 80s. It was a real era of the heart actually being acknowledged as part of the Christian journey. And I'm just so grateful because in those 10, 20 years, there was so much pushback so much pushback from the church that the heart matters. Isn't it just sinful and deceitful above all else? Um, we don't do that. We do the spirit only. And um, I'm just so grateful that the truth of the word came through uh, these ministries who've really brought it to the, the body. Um, and so we stand on their shoulders today, able to talk about this in, a, in an era where it's far more acceptable to acknowledge that the heart matters too. And that actually... The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. It's in the word. It really is actually what Jesus came to transform and where he comes and lives and what he uses to express himself to the world. So I love the heart. Um, last week we talked a little bit about... Um, tools needed to recover when it comes to someone's journey. So for those who are here, um, we're going to discuss the topic of wholeness at large tonight, okay? And that the life model that came through from Shepherd's House discusses that there's three things involved in wholeness. Last week, we focused on one of them. Today, I'm going to focus on the other two. Wholeness is a biblical um, concept in, you know, for example, beginning of James, consider it joy when you suffer. Who loves that sentence? <laughs> Just love it. Just love it when you suffer. Because, dot, 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 by verse 4, you'll become whole and mature, lacking nothing. Okay, it's a goal that the Lord loves. Wholeness is actually what he has us to pursue and move towards. Wholeness is what he does in us, but wholeness is also what he asks us to walk out our salvation with trembling and fear. He asks us to prioritize that. It's whole people that change the world. It's whole churches that change the world. And some of us aren't changing the world very much. I have a feeling it's to do with some wholeness that's lacking. So we're going to dip into that topic a bunch today. So one area that I totally agree helps with wholeness is recovery from life's heartaches. Okay, so we talked about that last week. It was just an introduction. There's so many, so many teachings in the Word off the back of all the different topics from last week. But basically last week we talked about there's type A trauma. Do you remember? Which is the? What's type A trauma? 
yeah, the unmet need, the memory that never was. So it's hard to pinpoint because it's no memories around it because there's just a lack of something. Okay, so it's neglect, trauma, it's the absence of the good thing that really impacts a person when there's been a lot of absence, especially in the formative earlier years. Type B trauma. The presence of the bad thing, so it's accidents, it's every form of abuse, it's natural disasters, it's war, it's fire, it's losses, it's death, sickness in our body. So the presence of the bad thing really impacts us at any age, but in particular in the formative years. And then there's just general wounding anyway. Maybe it doesn't classify as trauma because trauma is like the really, really big stuff that really knocks the wind out of us, but wounding impacts us as well. We were just chatting about life's heartaches in that way last week. And then we talked about that it's actually possible that maybe some of the bad fruit, remember we talked about fruit? We had quite a long list of fruit we chatted about last week of bad fruit. In scripture, it's we're a tree. We're all just a tree. We just need to accept it. And regardless of whether we like it or not, we're fruity. So there is always fruit. We can't just hope that there's no fruit. There's always fruit, but it's either good fruit or it's bad fruit, but it's always growing. And some of us just try and chop it off quickly because that's just not allowed or it's in the scripture not to do it, but it keeps growing back. So some things that are literally, we read the word and it says, do not blah, blah, blah. There's quite a few of them. Um, some of those things were able actually to go, oh my gosh, I need to obey the Lord in, obey the Lord in this area. This fruit is not allowed to be there. He wants this of me and we can chop it off and it kind of we can keep it at bay and because we, we're obeying. But for a whole bunch of us, we get what's called a stuck place. And a stuck place is no matter how much we want to remove that thing from, from our life or stop doing that thing, the nutrients are coming from the ground and it keeps regrowing, which is how trees work. I did fail science, but I remember that bit. And so the nutrients keep coming up through and so the bad fruit keeps forming. And we talked last week about actually it's often stuff in the root system that is impacting this cyclical bad fruit that's impacting our lives. We talked about some of that is we need to recover from traumas. So there's stuck pain because pain that's buried alive stays alive. Really important. Pain that's buried alive stays alive. We might wish that it wasn't. We might go, but, you know, Jesus did it all at the cross, um, which he did positionally it's all done at the cross positionally we're saved positionally we're sanctified but we've still got to walk out the transformation journey and for some of us we've actually just got buried pain and like most rubbish in the sand it works its way to the surface and at some stage in our life often late 20s 30s 40s it the the fruit really starts to come through and um it just works its way to the ground as rubber if you bury a tire or something like it just works its way up rubbish does that and um, it catches up with us pain buried alive stays alive so for some of us it's actually that we need to just get some ministry to the wound and the Lord loves to do that for some of us we're actually got stuck places and and bad fruit because of our sinful responses we had a chart up last week so do you remember some of the main sinful responses are that can keep us stuck there's about five hooks and those hooks keep us in bad fruit so unforgiveness which we said the church often speaks a lot on inner vows bitter judgments we reap and become what we've judged or we marry them bitter root expectations foundational lies things we've come to believe about ourselves okay so these hooks can keep us stuck and those are called responses to life those are actually called sinful responses to life and so some of us 
um, are starting to just look at the fact that maybe our bad fruit is our fault. And it kind of is. The faster we can get to actually owning our story, owning our junk, and that actually no one's responsible for what's on our tree but me, all the bad fruit list, if we've got any on it, it's our fault. It's still there. It doesn't mean it was our responsibility that it got, that the traumas happened, that the wounding happened, that the neglect happened, that things, the bullying happened, whatever. It's, that doesn't, that wasn't our fault. But how we responded to life, maybe we turned from life, maybe we've judged people, maybe we've judged relationships, maybe we've become someone who's withdrawn, maybe we've become someone who's, you know, got that extra neediness, resentment that's stuck, rage that's stuck, that's all our stuff, okay? So we need to go after what's in the root system and own that our sinful responses to life has got us stuck. But everyone can get unstuck. There's no one too stuck to be unstuck by God, all right? So recovery is only one third though. I'm not standing here going it's exactly three 33.33, I failed math too, but I, I really did. But um, a percentage is the recovery journey. We can't say the heart journey is just prayer ministry or counselling or psychologist help or anything when it comes into the recovery list, okay? So if someone's going after resolving trauma, you can't have wholeness without doing that recovery, but it's not the only thing involved in wholeness, does that make sense? So what we're going to do is move all across to the other two, two topics that are the Bible's flooded with. Okay, so these topics belong to the church as well. And if these two aren't focused on, then the heart journey is not accomplished and we don't become whole people who maturely go on and just impact the world. So number two is maturity. Maturity is a real passion of the Lord's and there's actually a heck lot of scripture about maturity. And none of them have to do with God going, coming, praying, doing, and we just become mature. All of it is it's our job. Sanctification is his job. Healing's his job. Deliverance is his job. Um, there's so many things that he has said is his job and he does them so well. And all the grace to do everything I talk about tonight is his job. But he has said to us it's our job to become mature. And we've actually got an issue with this, I believe, in the church at large, male and female. Some of us are adult infants or adult children or adult teenagers and not necessarily, not necessarily becoming what the scripture refers to and what I'm going to talk about tonight, even elders. It doesn't mean literally having that authority in a church like you are an elder, but we are all called as a human to get to the point where we walk in an eldership kind of way and we take over our region and we produce, we take over people in the church and we take them under our wing and we actually oversee communities and families and change the world. So we're actually lacking the, the extremity of maturity. Maturity is an ongoing process. I know there is a definition like, I could say, so Kev, you are mature. So that is in the dictionary as a thing, but actually it's not quite right because maturity is all the way till we pass because maturity is becoming the fullness of who God created us to be, the absolute maximum of who and all the things that he put on our heart to do and all the calling we could do and all the things that we could do and all that we could become in our identity. So it's an ongoing thing all the way through. But we can get stuck in maturing. And some of the reasons we get stuck in maturing has to do with recovery 
And some of the other ways that get us stuck in maturing has to do with belonging. So those three words on the top, if we haven't done our recovery work, trauma blocks maturing. Okay, so unresolved trauma blocks maturing as a Christian, becoming a mature Christian. Trauma blocks maturing. Not belonging to a family or a community blocks maturing. He, God didn't design us to mature alone. It's actually impossible because the very nature of maturity is interpersonal. So people actually who have high trauma in type A is people who've been on their own all their life. Okay, so that's called lack. A lot of us are not so sure of what we feel about the concept of family and community because it's for some people the connotation is not very good. It wasn't very good in the upbringing. And now um, in your church you're talking about family. I want to get away from here. But belonging blocks maturing if you're not belonging, if you're not attached. Any part of those can't function without the other one. Okay? So lack of belonging blocks trauma healing. Um, Lack of recovering blocks belonging because your trauma works keeping you from being able to trust and so attach because of the attachment trauma. So if any of those are missing, it blocks being able to do one of the other ones. All three need to be unlocked and all three are dependent on each other. Does that make sense? So anyone who's sort of done teaching studies or counselling or anything that involves development work might have come across different models of explanations of actually how a human develops. It's actually brain science, it's actually technical and it's totally kingdom. Um, So Eric Erickson, there's various people who've defined that there's developmental stages that need to be hit. There's also things that happen if development stages don't get hit and we end up with an immature person. So I'm actually going to go into this and explain developmental stages that need to be hit. If we miss them, we stay stunted in our maturity. Anyone can mature later. So if any of what I'm going to go through has been missed and there's an immaturity about you, all maturity um, tasks can be unlocked. You can go backwards and mature. Okay, so no one's stuck in this column either. All right, so I want to talk about ages zero to three. So this is conception uh, to, to age three. This is a time where the developmental task is the primary one. There's a few, there's a bunch, but the primary focus of zero to three is learning to receive. That is the developmental task of conception to age three. Okay, so we're born dependent, we're born needy, we have dependency needs that need to be met at that time. Especially conception to age one is where we learn trust. We actually have trust bonds or fear bonds. We learn to attach all in this sort of time because we're trusting over that first year of life, I have a need, my need gets met. I have a need, my need gets met. The baby is not meeting anyone else's needs. It's not their job but learning to receive. Some of us as adults have a bit of a stuck place here because we don't receive very easily. Um, This is a developmental task from zero to three. So if this task hasn't been completed, a fruit, a bad fruit on a tree later on, can be weak or stormy relationships. It can be neediness. Um, We get adult infants often when you just haven't learnt to receive. Someone might have an an issue where they always just feel 
they should just know what I need out of their friend or from their partner. How can you just not know what I need? If someone often has that frustration coming up, that's usually people who didn't, in zero to three, have an attu- a parent who's attuned and picking up what they need before they're in hysteria. Okay, because the focus of the caregiver of the parents, both male and female, is attuning and tracking and getting to know what your needs are and meeting them before you have gotten into hysteria or gone into silence so that you're not a problem and learning not to cry so that you're not, so that you're, whatever, a good baby. Um, basically squash down all your needs and not learn to receive. So um, um, have, have being needy, and getting your needs met and learning to receive is zero to three. So four to 12, a primary task in that time is learning to take care of yourself. So this might be, I can go party by myself now and I can I can get dressed by myself and um, I can help make my lunch and I can put butter on the toast and I actually am learning what I like and what I don't like. Anyone here an adult who that's actually sort of a tricky thing for you to actually know what satisfies me needs to happen in that developmental stage? Sorry, Calvin, I just saw you back there. Can I just talk about your awesome parenting? I just want to see an example. Can I use Esme as an example? So, for example, I went to the zoo with them last weekend. Esme's just on starting this category. They have made sure beautiful Calvin and Jess, in their parenting, that they're listening to her thoughts, that her feelings, and that she knows what she likes and what satisfies her. It doesn't mean you're indulging. It doesn't mean whatever you want you have. There's boundaries. It's, we're going to bed, but do you want to go to bed crawling or on my shoulder? So there's autonomy, there's making choices, there's yes, no, but we're still going to bed. But we went. We were going to the zoo, and I think it was the night before. Esme was crying a lot, so they attended to her need, as they do. Went to the bedroom, and she's like, I, "I'm. I, I might get this wrong. I'm. Ang- I'm angry. I'm angry." And I think they said, "You don't. You don't look angry." So they're helping her know what emotions are. She's like, "Oh, I'm frustrated." Like, "Yeah, you look frustrated. What are you frustrated about?" because I want to go tonight to the zoo and not tomorrow because I want to see the elephants tonight. And she's crying. That's someone who knows what satisfies her and has a thought and has a feeling and can say it. That's the developmental stuff that actually is the four to 12 that needs that task needs to be hit. That jackpot needs to be hit by 12. Otherwise, we have some gaps older, all right? So we need to learn to take care of ourselves. Otherwise, we end up becoming people who don't take responsibility for ourselves. And we have some adults around who don't know how to take responsibility for themselves or who are being irresponsible, who don't know what they feel and think and they don't know what they like. All right? So we have some of them around. I don't have people in my head when I'm saying this. I'm just saying what's true. All right. Then you have age 13 to what they call firstborn child. Firstborn child could be at age 18, it could be at age 25, it's not an age thing, it's a developmental stage. If someone's never had a baby, it would be that they are discipling or mentoring an individual, not a group of people, but there's someone that they've taken under their wing and life is no longer just about them. Okay, so this is the teenage years. The primary task is, I figure out there's actually two of us, 
any of you had teenagers, that it took a while for them to click, <laughs> that there's actually me and you. So the child, egocentric, it's about me up to age 12. It needs to be that developmentally across the teenage years, there's a learning that, oh, there's two of us and both our needs matter and I can actually do something and your needs get met and my needs get met and we both enjoy this interaction and actually the selfishness starts to fall off and developmentally in the brain, it's there's two of us and we can have a mutually satisfying time. So if this stage isn't hit, we have adults who you hang out with them and you go away and you feel unsatisfied because everything was about them and there was nothing, you couldn't give enough. They were just talked about them. Everything was about them. It's not a mutually satisfying interaction. Okay, so... Um, yeah, so they lack the capacity to be in mutual satisfying relationships. Another thing about those teenage years is there is a lot of taking responsibility. So I take responsibility that I just hurt you. I actually realise my life impacts somebody else. I realise actually when I stole the car and I did this, this, it actually hurt someone's heart, it cost someone money and someone was injured and that matters. So learning that we, to take responsibility of who we are and that others are impacted needs to be hit by early 20s, by the time we're starting to have our first child. Otherwise, we have this stuck place and we end up immature and we're in churches, on teams, doing life where we think what we do doesn't impact anybody. And um, we just blame us anyways if someone got hurt because it wasn't us and it wasn't our responsibility and we're not attuned to our impact on the world. So there's a bunch of them around as well. So maturity really matters. This is really an introduction. Each one of these is far bigger and far deeper. Are we tracking okay? Okay, so first child being born or first... So I've, I've not had children of my own, it, but I have discipled people. Okay, so this stage is I, I start caring for somebody else a lot and with lots of time, but especially literal biological children. Um, the task in this one that needs to be hit that can take a season is sacrificial. Okay, it's I'm going to cost myself for you. Okay, this can then look like a season where it can be possible to feel resentful for having, you've lost, I've lost me. And when is it my turn to, to just do what I want? Can be a feeling when you're responsible for little ones, little little Christians or little humans, okay? Either way, there can be a selfishness and a burn that comes because it can feel like I've lost my life for this. But actually, the season of maturity across these years is learning I'm actually becoming me. I'm becoming me because I have children. It's actually a developmental stage that's really, really important. And unless we burn and work through that, so some of you might not have had children, but you've discipled people and you get frustrated with them. They're doing this. And I shared with them about this and I cost my life. We spent all weekend talking about this and this in, in their sex life or this and this in their drinking. And then they went and got plastered. And it's frustrating because it costs me my time. And it costs, that's this level of maturity. That's, they're costing me and it's costing me. Um, and the selfishness of sacrifice gets burnt out from child to child to child across that time. Um, if we get stuck here, we end up being people who in the world aren't discipling people and aren't costing ourselves to spread the gospel and aren't actually 
becoming people who it's an honor to lay my life down for my friend, as Jesus showed us how to do. We're supposed to give away our life. We're not supposed to not have needs. And, you know, it says if you've got two coats, give away one. It doesn't say don't have a coat. So we're not supposed to become nothing. But we are supposed to live sacrificial lives where we die to ourselves every single day for the sake of someone else. So that's a developmental season. And it can take first child until last child sort of grown up to really have that worked out of us or it can take really discipling a bunch of people to realize it's actually not about me (laughs) and actually even if I never get anything back that was worth it how many of you know it really costs to raise somebody it really really costs but the resentment gets worked out in that developmental stage and it's a even in a brain kind of way it's developmentally good for us to go through that burn some of us never yield die to ourselves, and develop to the next stage So the next stage I want to talk about, very few Christians live in. Very. And that's impacting the bride. That's impacting every church. It's impacting because there's all these non-Christians. It's impacting because no one's visiting the prisons. How many of us in this room are doing it? How many of us in this room are praying for the sick? How many of us are taking on orphans and widows? How many of us have more people than just our biological family with us? for Mother's Day, for evenings? How many of us buy groceries for more people than ourselves? How many of us are spreading the gospel? How many of us pray for someone's leg in the supermarket when we pass them and they're limping? That's the next category, and that's why maturity matters, and it matters to the Lord, because we've gotten stuck in earlier stages of self-focus instead of that breakthrough of the the season I just referred to developmentally. Is that all right? So the, the task is sacrificing and it looks like protecting, serving and enjoying. Not protecting, serving and being bitter. It needs protecting, serving and enjoying to really go, boom, I hit that one, let's go to the next stage. So the last stage is what I referred to earlier as eldership. So this is sort of all my kids have moved on or all the individual people that I disciple that I've been frustrated with and felt the cost of have grown. And now we think groups. Now we're actually like, this is, this is my church and I'm going to put my shoulder to the plow and actually adopt a bunch of people, which we're going to get on to soon. A very passionate topic of the Lord's is spiritual adoption. Okay, so there's so much familial language in the Bible. Brother, father, sister. You know, it's, it's we all belong to each other. We're family of God. He has decided, he decided we will be a family. The church at large and each meeting group, he's like, be, be a family. And then a whole bunch of us rock up and every single biological family we've come from is different to each other with different ways of behaving, thinking, and with some good and some bad experiences. So we need to learn not what is a typical Australian family, and we don't need to learn what's Amy's family or Kylie's family. We need to learn kingdom culture and have kingdom families. Okay, So some of us have to lay down and unlearn some ways of doing family, and some of us need to keep helping teach others the good kingdom family that we got raised with, all right? But we need to become a kingdom family. And it takes elders to become a family, and it takes elders to have whole regions impacted by the Lord. It's the elders who, who will actually go, this is our region, and let's all go out, and let's all, let's all adopt groups. Okay, so 
Elders' primary task is sacrificing, taking care of a community. And the primary fruit, if the task is uncompleted, is the overall maturity of the community declines. So you have immature churches if you don't have a whole bunch of elders leading it. If you've got a senior leader and pastor, if you've got the fivefold, if you've got all these people with wonderful spiritual gifts, wow, and they're immature, it's going to not work well. It's going to snap. And I think we can often have churches that are so excited about gifts. And almost people walk through the door and they're coming to a new church and they're like, I'm going to lead out with my gift. It's on my medals. I'm a this gift, this gift, this gift. And it's really dangerous stuff. It's really, really dangerous. It can almost shock some people when they come to this community and they're like, hi, I'm such and such. This is what I do. When am I joining the teams and blah, 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 blah. And I can do this in the spirit or I have this gift. And we're like, oh, I'm, I'm just Amy or I'm just Brad or I'm just Jess. And can we get to actually just know each other and, and let's do belonging. And then after we've done belonging and we actually got to know your character, which is a maturity thing, we'll see about whether you can have access to the flock and leadership to the flock. But we have very few leadership teams and and people who are leading who actually got to the eldership stage because we've got some problems with sacrifice and we've got some problems with selfishness and we've got some problems with neediness and dependency, and frustration, because I'm not getting my needs met, and no one's seen me, and then this happened in the church, and a whole bunch of focus on interactive stuff, instead of, can we just all think big, and all think whole groups, like, can we all think what's the greater good, and can we all think what the Lord's heart is, and there's a whole bunch of lost sheep out there, and we get to go get them, and it's fun, and let's do it together, all of us who belong together. So lack of maturity impacts complete churches, and it's part of what we believe with the heart journey, that the maturity is gone after by everybody. So maturity is twofold. Maturity is our responsibility to grow up. Some people some people, this is their zone, like maturing and every day, like reading the word and they just love the Lord and they're maturing and stuff. And But actually, it's not complete maturity because they can't receive. So the belonging part's stuck. Okay, so some people are, just love the Lord and they're part of a church, but they can't attach. That's still going to be a bit of a stunted maturity. But the worst side is we've got a whole bunch of people who actually, we've got adult kids. Okay, and and the Lord is saying, Grow up. He's so excited about it. <laughs> and, and it's time. It's just time for us to all to, to grow up. And there's ways to grow up. And we can't do it without belonging. And some of us need to do recovery work because you can't mature unless you've had the recovery work and you belong. So we're going to go on to the belonging part now. Um, so maturity... I'm not trying to prove a point, but I do, I do love the word. So like in James 1, he says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. It's really important to the Lord. Um, he talks about the fivefold. How many of you love the fivefold? I just love the fivefold and how the Lord chose to give people with those sorts of gifts to the church. Ephesians 4, 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For what purpose? Why did he give those five? For building up the body of Christ until we all attain unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So the purpose of the fivefold is for us to be mature. We actually need to have the goal of maturity as our personal goal. Okay, To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, as mature as Christ. So that we may longer be children, we may no longer be children, is the plan. I'm going to give you the fivefold so we can stop being kids in the church. The Lord says it. Okay? So, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves. So really struggling, emotional ups and downs and roller coasters and do I trust him and I don't know if I like this pastor and blah, 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 to and froing. Um, and carried about by other doctrines and by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So if we're not mature, we often get caught in deception. Rather, speaking the truth in love, so giving each other feedback, which I'm going to get on to, we are to grow up, there it is, in every way, in every way, we are to grow up into him who is the head. It's his desire that we would just grow up and mature. And that's when we take the world over. That's when we adopt the non-Christians. That's when we're going to the prisons and we're praying for people. That's when we will cost everything and lay down our lives is because we've hit all of those milestones. All right? So we cannot mature without belonging. So I'm just going to go on to the belonging topic after a five-minute break. Was that a little bit too strong? Not lots of... Okay, we're going to go on to belonging. It's going to be stronger. <laughs> All right, if we can just do four or five minutes and then we're going we're to go for it in the belonging category. Thank you.